All right, guys, we're going to switch gears a little bit this week, but you are going to like it. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tine studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. Glad you guys are here. I uh, got a good one for you this week. Uh, really excited about having this conversation. It's one I've been wanting to have for a long time. Um, and it's going to relate to some of the premise that uh, we, we've been discussing lately, kind of in a way. Uh, but there's there's a new angle to it. And so welcome this week. I've got my new friend, Kelsey, and she has a page called No Reason to Be Vegan on Instagram. And uh, it's a freaking rad Instagram page. You guys need to check it out. Like, it's it's really good. Uh, and so, Kelsey, I appreciate you joining me. How's it going? Hi, Jim. It's going well. Thank you for that warm welcome. No, I mean that. Actually, like, I love your Instagram um, it's, it's, I love it. I love stuff like this. And it's, it's interesting how it even came to this. I never even gave the whole vegan thing a thought, uh, for, for many years of my life. I just, I just thought, you know, those, those are folks that just want to choose to have one type of lifestyle. It's really not my business. Uh, and it was actually their fault that it became my business, um, due to, how hostile and and uh, things got weird with them um, and coming after hunting and coming after our lifestyle and and so anyways that that's a long way of saying that uh, the interest in this topic came out of the reaction I got from them um, and so yeah no this is going to be cool I appreciate it yeah it's funny you should say that because I feel the same way. Um, I would not have done this if vegans hadn't provoked me into doing this. <laughs> yeah. If vegans just lived their quiet lives and ate their plant foods and left everyone else alone, I would have never had to start this page. But that's not what the vegan movement is all about. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like kind of like what your Instagram says, um, you know, against the cult of veganism. Um, that's, that's kind of what, where this derives from. Um, I don't care what diet somebody chooses. I really don't, but I expect the same respect back, and and we haven't gotten that. It, like it's gotten crazy. They say they do crazy shit, and and they come after, they come after hunters. Uh, they come after like low hanging fruit in the hunting space, uh, in, in a sense that they feel like they're going to gain some kind of I don't know recognition, revenue, whatever, uh, by doing these campaigns against hunting, and and they're a big part of the anti hunting movement. And that's kind of, that's where it brought me to the forefront with things that I've been working on. So yeah, you're, you're exactly right. They provoked me. I don't care what they eat. Um, really. Well, it's very, very ironic because I get comments from, from mainly vegans, but, but meat eaters as well. 
that don't understand what the purpose of my page is. And they come on and leave comments like, oh my God, why are you so obsessed with what other people are eating? And that's absolutely not the case. I, like you, I don't care what other people eat. What I care about is people lying and spreading propaganda to promote this agenda that actually hurts a lot of people. An, an insane amount of people have been severely malnourished and had their health, um, you know, some of them sort of permanently damaged from this. Um, yeah. So it, it's... it. It's not vegans just wanting to be left alone. It's vegans going into grocery stores and screaming at people, pouring milk off the shelves. You know, we see all the ridiculous demonstrations that they um, that they put on. But going after hunters is actually really, really funny as well, because vegans uh, actually like have more in common with a hunter than they do with somebody eating a factory farmed burger. Yeah. At least yeah. at least the hunter <laughs> is killing the animal in the most humane way possible while that animal still was able to live out its natural life the way vegans want animals to live. Um, if, if you're going to eat meat, that's probably the most humane way to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And not to mention, of course, the fact that hunters are killing animals to protect the crops that vegans are eating. Yeah, well, there's there's that aspect of it too. I just, I, I find it funny that they have this mindset that veganism is saving all these critters on the landscape when, when they real actually, you know what, let's, we'll dive into that in a minute. Um, because that, that's exactly the kind of stuff I want to talk about. Uh, before, before we get to that stuff, can you give us like a bird's eye view of kind of who you are and your background and, and how you came to be where you've got this, this big Instagram page. And I say big, cause you have a lot of followers. Um, and it's grown a little bit recently. I had a video go viral and that uh, definitely. Oh, really? Like, like it wasn't a video I created. It was just a funny video that I had reshared, but it got picked up by the algorithm and soon it had 5 million views and I had 5,000 new followers in, in a week and a half. So wow, uh, I need the a internet video is like amazing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how Instagram works. I've been working on mine, <laughs> but Hey, I, I can give you some pointers. I've, I've studied it. So yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I know, could, it, I could use them. Yeah. Well, it, actually, it's, a, I, it's a fairly straightforward. We, we formula. just, uh, <laughs> my show just partnered with, uh, Eastman's hunting journals out of, uh, Powell, Wyoming, and they're, they have like this Instagram wizard in there that's kind of taken over my, uh, my Instagram and, and he'll post something and he'll get like 300,000 views on a reel. And I don't know how he does that. Cause I'll post like the same thing and no, I don't get hardly anything. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, there, there's there definitely a rhyme to, to it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, give us, give us a bird's eye view of who you are and, and your background, how, how you came to be where you're at now. Okay, so I would struggle to do this briefly, but my reason for doing this is that I am an ex-vegan myself. I um, experimented with it when I was in high school, only did it for a brief period of time, but I developed health issues in that very brief period of time that ended up sort of staying with me for the long haul. Um, so I always had an interest in this topic. I, I have spent the past 14 years researching and, and experimenting on myself and sort of developing my beliefs around this subject. And anti-vegan was, anti-veganism was part of that. It wasn't my main focus, but throughout learning all of these things about how we've all been lied to about <laughs> mainstream nutrition and uh, just trying to understand what exactly happened to me when I was vegan at 14 and why did it affect me that way? Uh, and then I, I, 
sort of went down the rabbit hole. I read a book called The Vegetarian Myth by Lear Keith, a 20-year ex-vegan, and she does a great job of really just putting to rest. I, I knew the health aspect was, you know, veganism is not healthy, but there's still the arguments that it's saving the environment and it's saving animals. And both of those arguments are false, which hence the name of my account. There is no legitimate reason to be vegan. And she really drove that point home and, and provided a lot of evidence Kilter, for what, that position. What, what was the name of that book again? called The Vegetarian Myth. Vegetarian Myth. Okay, I've heard of that one. I haven't read that one. Okay. Anyway, sorry she, to cut. She, no, no, no. Please, please interrupt me because I will just ramble. But um, she she was not vegetarian she, the entire time, but I think she just chose that title for the book to maybe make, make it more widely appealing so vegetarians would read it also. But it does a great job of just making you understand that monocultures, you know, the monocrops that we grow, that we primarily grow, um, to feed livestock, but also that we eat ourselves. That's where the, the major problem is in terms of um, environmental issues. And also just, you want to talk about killing animals. This is entire ecosystem destruction. Okay. So it goes way oh, beyond just killing animals. Um, you know, it, it kills them to the point where they don't come back because the ecosystem has just been wiped out and, and monocrops have been planted in its place. So that book just, uh, you know, stuck with me. Obviously, I, I I felt that she presented a very strong argument. And since then, I have seen more and more Netflix vegan documentaries popping up and, and sort of friends of mine, knowing that I had this interest in health and nutrition would ask me about it. Hey, I, I saw the game changers on Netflix. Do you think that's something I should try? And I just started getting more and more frustrated that this, like what, at the time was just sort of this fringe movement uh, that I thought would just sort of like stay in its lane. And instead it, it's constantly pushing propaganda and lies down everyone's throats. It, it's mainly targeting women and young people, children basically. So I have a huge problem with that. And, and it was really um, sort of reaching my breaking point of seeing so much vegan propaganda out there that I was like, you know what? I'm going to start an Instagram account. I have all of this research I've done. I have all of these bookmarks saved. I want to put this stuff out there and see if it resonates with anyone. And as I started to do that over the past two, two years and a few months, I saw so many people. I had no idea. So once I got real into this and started putting this content out there, the amount of ex-vegan stories I have read and you know watched their videos, heard, heard them talk about these experiences... Now, now I'm mad because I didn't know yeah. how many other people out there had been damaged by it. I knew my own experience. I knew a couple of my close friends also had bad experiences health-wise. But it's like this massive problem that very few people know about. You know, it's it's so interesting the way you describe that too because um, – and my, my audience is going to roll their eyes when I say this, but I, I've been <laughs> – I've been working on a book and the reason they're going to roll their eyes is I, I've been working on a book for a long time. <laughs> like I've been threatening this book for, I don't know, almost 18 months at this point. Uh, but oh, and, and, and so you guys, just so you guys know, I am working on it. So quit giving me a hard time. I, I could barely <laughs> spell my name. So you can imagine how difficult this is for me to write a book. I know but, how it is. <laughs> so, so I've been diving into, to the topic uh, because one of the chapters, chapters kind of pertain to this. And I was surprised, uh, Kelsey, at 
the amount of information a that is out there that kind of de- debunks the myth of how healthy and how environmentally friendly veganism is because it, right. it like the the information isn't theory this isn't opinion it it literally is uh, a a worse choice for the environment and it's a terrible choice for your body um and and so and I only delved into that and, and tried to make that a part of my chapter again it goes back to speak where they they kind of provoked that um I can't mm-hmm. tell you anybody anybody with a hunting platform like an Instagram or a Twitter or a Facebook page even you know there there's not very many hunters out there that haven't been attacked uh on yeah. on social media because of what we do and you know from a hunting standpoint you're you nailed it uh in, in terms of we we are people that we we like to live as close to the land we we like to live with the land we're not living on the land and I heard that in a, in a television show. So I've been saying that for years. And then they said it on a television show. I want to like take credit for it, but I can't prove it. <laughs> Anyways, I, and the meat that we get is healthy and the animals that we harvest, this meat and, and the life of that animal is deeply valued. It's not mm-hmm. like a bunch of rednecks out there just, you know, shooting for the fun of it. Like they, they portray us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, these animals are deeply valued. The meat is extremely healthy. It's not coming from some factory farm. Um, it's not. Well, another thing that you often hear vegans say is, well, if you had to kill the animal yourself, I bet you couldn't do it. So, vegan, yeah. like, hunters are flying in the face of that. Like, do you want to bet? I certainly can kill my own animals and feed myself and my family. Um, but you hear that a lot from vegans because vegans are very disconnected from nature. To become vegan, you have to be isolated and and in an urban environment, in a city, buying everything in a package from the grocery store to have a lot of the beliefs and sort of perspectives that vegans have. Yeah. Um, so, so to them, the idea of killing an animal yourself to eat is like they can't even fathom that. But to somebody who actually does it on a regular basis, it's like that's just part of life. That's what we do. And it sounds like from their perspective, they that they have this perspective that we get some kind of enjoyment out of the killing part of it. And that's what yeah. uh, most and I'm not not just vegan vegans, uh, most non hunters is that's a concept that I think that is misperceived the most. I, um, I, I see it's an that emotional too. time. It's an emotional part of the hunt. And it's it's a small part of the hunt. Uh, it, but it is the the precipice of the hunt in which things go from the hunt to the harvest and and that little change is it is, for most hunters is a very emotional time it's not like we get our kicks off of uh you know putting a bullet or an arrow or something through a through a deer uh, yeah it's just I part mean, of the process i've i've received a similar comment about that from someone who actually wasn't vegan they were you know just a grocery store meat eater and they said something to that effect, like, why do they need to, or I'm against the people who go out and just kill for the thrill of killing. Um, and I was kind of arguing with them about, you know, that that's like not the primary purpose people do it, like you were saying, but, but as far as enjoying the process of hunting, um, I, I don't think anybody really is like, yes, I love I love the moment where that bullet kills that animal, but I think, I think taking enjoyment in the entire process and that's part of the process. So it's perfectly fine in my opinion 
to take pleasure in feeding yourself from an animal that lived out its life on the land in the most sort of natural and, um, you know, without human intervention, the, the animal was able to live autonomously Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, lights out and, and usually they don't even know what has hit them by the time they are, you know, dead. And I'm not, Uh, I'm not trying to make a case for hunting with, with you because, you know, it's not, it's not like that, but, but you're, for for somebody you'd mentioned to me that you're a non-hunter right now, but maybe you're showing some interest in it in the future. Lack of, of opportunity. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and so it's and I think that it's important for non-hunters to understand that aspect of it. That you know when when we're talking about how we compare it, the the way that animals die through the process of hunting is very quick. It's very yeah. and and it's not always the case. I I am not above. Uh, being very open and honest about how the process happens. Sometimes I have definitely hit animals and wounded them and created pain and agony for them and had a hard time finding them. And sometimes I haven't found them. So that does happen. But when you compare it to the natural way that these wild animals normally die, which is at the hands of a mountain lion or a pack of wolves or some other predator or starvation or depredation or getting hit on the highway or starving from too much snow and not being able to move, uh, or dehydration. Those those are your mortality rates that are pretty typical when they're not uh, removed through hunting. And so, anyways, this isn't a this isn't a let's justify hunting show. Um, but it's it, I, I do think that that is uh, that is important. And so, um, you said something, and I'm totally drawing a blank on what you said there. I, I really wanted to talk about, but you, you I'm just. Sorry. No, it's not your fault. I, it's my fault. I go down, I, I go down rabbit trail after rabbit trail, and I get confused. I do too, and <laughs> I get completely lost. And I'm sorry, but um, yeah. yeah. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I, um, what do you think? I, before we get into kind of some of the nuts and bolts of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. what do you think the impact has been? That uh, because again, you've got this huge Instagram page. You've got over thirty thousand followers, uh, and I love, I love kind of the bullet points that you put in there against the cult of veganism, because I believe veganism is a cult. Uh, I I believe regenerative, I I believe in the process of regenerative agriculture advocate, um, Mm -hmm. ex vegan podcast coming soon. Um, anyways, I, I like the bullet points. Do you feel like you're making an impact? I do. Um, you know, I can track my analytics and see, how many people have viewed my profile in the last 30 days? How many people have engaged with my account in the last, you know, um, it's getting out there. So I had no idea what the response would start at this account, but I had a little bit of background in Instagram and sort of understanding how to, how to slowly grow an account. Um, and this certainly has exceeded my expectations. Um, and it's funny because like you, you say the account is, huge but i actually don't feel that way i feel like until i have millions of followers like i haven't i haven't even gotten started yet because i need to yeah. reach so so many people with this message but i definitely um i have a, a highlight where i have shared messages that people have sent me where they've said you know um i was about to go vegan but then i found your page or i used your page or you know post on your page to help convince my wife to quit veganism 
I, I, I have received, um, quite a few messages like that. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, and I know, I know there's other people out there too, who, who just don't ever think to message me, who just come and see the content, read the posts and, and that has some effect on them. I like to, um, plant seeds. So my goal is not to convince every vegan overnight, but I think that if you plant these seeds, most vegans don't like a lot of the things I'm saying, they're not aware of, no one's ever said these things to them. Uh, so if I plant the seed, even if it doesn't convince them right away, six months down the line, two, three, four years down the line, when their health starts to deteriorate, if it's not already, you know, when things are getting worse and worse, they won't be able to help but think back to those things they read on my page and start to question it. And I think it's sort of a, you know, it's just a process of unraveling at that point. Would it be like out of line for me to ask um, what some of the negative health impacts to your health were from doing the vegan diet? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, so for me, it was a hormonal disorder known as polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, so basically, <laughs> uh, it's, it's commonly referred to as PCOS or PCOS. So you may see that come up. It affects okay. 10% of the women in the country. So that's a pretty high number. And I would say it's probably higher than that because there's probably a lot of women who are like borderline or haven't been diagnosed. Um, the primary symptoms are you have high androgen levels. You have um, skin issues like acne and oily skin. Um, you can have most people who have this are overweight. I'm sort of an atypical case. Um, but, but issues with obesity, you have a much higher risk of heart disease, diabetes, you know, all the fun stuff. Um, and then of course, like issues with fertility, irregular periods, um, cysts on the ovaries. That's not a, actually a, defi a defining symptom of it. Um, some women have the cysts, some don't. So it's sort of like a cluster of symptoms and you can have some of them and not others, but they put it under this umbrella of polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh, gotcha. And, and I feel that that's really when my issues began is, is literally within a few weeks of going vegan, if you can believe that. Um, but I sort of set myself up in a bad way prior to that with like yo-yo dieting and binge eating and just not knowing it really just going, coming from like a low fat standard American diet uh, mm -hmm. to, to, to like hardcore dieting to veganism. So um, I pretty much crashed and burned almost immediately on it. Um, and I see that there's a very wide variation in how long it takes somebody to reach that point. With, for some people, it's, you know, that first six to 12 months, other people are able to last decades as a vegan. Uh, so yeah. it, it, the human body is fascinating, but I have never seen one single example of a long-term healthy vegan. So yeah, if they're, I if they're out there, I haven't seen them. <laughs> I, ha I haven't either. Uh, like I, I know... Uh, well, I know somebody per on a personal level that, that is vegan and, um, when they would come over, they don't come over anymore because apparently they, they were offended. I didn't provide a vegan option. Um, oh, wow. I, anyway, they had like a weird color to their skin. Like it yes. was, a, it was a weird color. Right? It, it was, <laughs> I don't know how to even explain it. Like there was this dullishness oh, um, and, and lack of light in their eyes. I, it was weird. Yes. So, so they tend to get a really dull grayish yeah. complexion, yeah, but you'll gray. also yeah, see, you'll, you'll also see 
they get also sort of a yellowish orangish tint to their skin um, due to like excessive beta carotene intake. So yeah, that vegans, you start to spot the signs of a vegan and I swear I can pick them out of a lineup now. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Uh, Especially if you pay attention to that skin color, there's, and and there's, I, I, there's, there's this lack of, you know, what is that movie? There's an old movie. Uh, there's the light in your eye, you know. Um, yes. It's an old Vegan. Civil War movie. Um, but anyway, I won't geek out on that. It, it, it there, <laughs> This light in the eye that people say that folks have. And, and the, yeah. every vegan I've known has lacked this light. And, and there's, I think that it's twofold. It's, it's not just the nutritional side. It's that there is this thing that comes out of such as what we talked about, you know, veganism being a cult that creates this anger in, in the soul. Uh, they're, they're yes. angry people. And, um, and that's why, by the way, for, for the audience sake, um, that's one of the things I wanted to mention real quick is, is we're kind of playing this on the down low because of what you guys listening to the show have heard me use this term a million times. Uh, but I, I don't just say vegans. They're, uh, they're the hostile vegan because there's a lot mm-hmm. of anger built into that. And that's why we're not, you know, Kelsey, we're not using your last name kind of thing and, and going mm-hmm. in a lot of details. And I don't mm-hmm. blame you. I don't blame you because they are extremely hostile. And I think that that's part of what takes away the light in their eye. They're, they're so angry that it is, um, that, that people aren't jumping on board with this. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it a fad or, or what, but they're not jumping on board with the cult of veganism. And because of that, they resent people. Um, when yeah. you, when you ceased to be a vegan, and started eating meat again, how fast was like the transformation uh, where you felt better, felt healthier? So when I went back to eating meat again, I actually didn't have that experience until about five years later because uh, I didn't discover all of this information that's pretty readily available now on Instagram. If you go and search ex-vegan content or the animal-based eating or the carnivore diet or all of that, where it's really emphasized that eating animal foods is good for you, including animal fats. Um, so I went, when I quit veganism, I went back to eating the standard American low fat diet of what I had been taught was healthy. So it was like lean chicken breast, tuna with no fat on it. Um, so I didn't have, you know, I, I did feel more satisfied. I was able to stabilize my weight better once I started eating meat again, but it wasn't this sort of coming back to life experience that um, certain ex-vegans will talk about where their brain switches on or it feels like a computer rebooting or whatever. Um, And I also probably wasn't vegan long enough to be as nutrient depleted to really experience that. But after coming across some information online, five years later, sort of all of the pieces fell into place in my mind. And I was like, oh my God, like that's what it was. And that was the first time I found information that was telling me it's okay to eat butter and red meat and fat and all those things. So when I started doing that around age 20, that's when everything really started to change for me. So what is like the, I guess, misconception that Americans have um, about diet that keeps people, oh, that, that make, <laughs> makes people like, is there, is there a couple like three key things that you think of yes. when I ask that question? What are those? The first would just be the the fat, saturated fat, cholesterol, heart disease myth. Um, the idea that that eating 
An excessive level of animal saturated fats is going to raise your cholesterol and that's going to clog your arteries and give you heart disease. That is pretty much wrong on every single one of those legs. Um, the idea that if you eat a lot of fat, animal fats, fatty foods, then you're going to be fat. That is also a huge myth. Uh, many people have lost drastic amounts of weight eating high fat diets that are low in carbohydrates, low in sugar, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that salt is bad for you. Don't put salt on your food. That's bullshit. You should put salt on your food. And I'm glad you um, said that because I love salt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this, you know, just the typical advice, which is that you should eat boneless, skinless chicken breasts on a dry salad. Or if you do put some dressing on there, make sure it's low fat dressing that's chock full of canola oil, you know, uh, that's just, all of that is wrong. <laughs> um, if I'm going to eat meat, it's going to be obviously well-sourced meat from hopefully a local farm, but eat, eating nose to tail is ideal. Eating the, the fat, mm -hmm. the organs and the muscles, just like a lot of hunters do, which is great. Um, vegetables, we kind of struggle to digest. So eating a lot of raw vegetables is not necessarily great for most people's digestion. Um, if you're going to eat them, fermenting them, cooking them, putting butter on them, that's a better way to go about it. Um, this idea that all you need to worry about is calories. And as long as you're eating low calorie, you know, snack packs and granola bars and stuff, as long as they're low in calories, it's fine. I completely disagree with that really any processed foods you're better off eliminating from your diet mm -hmm. vegetable oil being like the problem number one um trying to eat like your ancestors did is really the best thing you can do just trying to eat like your grandma did you know 100 years ago where they were <laughs> milking the cow drinking it raw and full of fat you know that kind of stuff that's isn't that's that what amazing? we need to get back to isn't that amazing that that we went thousands of years with with things that worked so well mm -hmm. and as soon as we start messing with it i don't know things go awry I, well there's a lot of politics awry. yeah a lot of politics behind why those guidelines were put into place and it wasn't for the benefit of people's health gotcha gotcha so uh let's let's kind of shift gears here for a minute um i want kind of one of my goals was to have something that the audience can come away with that's that's real tangible kind of sure uh, let's see. I want to, I've got your Instagram pulled up here that Steve Irwin comment caught my eye. Yes. Uh, so it, basically I want to give the audience kind of a synopsis of, of what he's talking about. And, and basically, uh, the nitty gritty of it is he was considering becoming a vegetarian or, or a vegan. I, I'm not sure which one, cause I know there's a difference. Um, mm -hmm. but he, he talks about it in a sense, like he started looking into it and he determined that the space that it takes to feed him for a month with a cow is far less than the space it would take to eat a plant-based diet and, and put it into the concept that no other animals um, would have the room to live if all humans were vegan. And I, I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he's wrong with that based on, on what the, the kind of research I have done has really blown this myth of uh, how good veganism is for the environment completely out of the water. Uh, you know, it's just, I can't remember how many bathtubs it would take to fill, to fill or uh, to, to water one avocado tree for a day, but it was like mm -hmm. substantial. And so yeah. 
from from that perspective, can you talk about like I guess as if you're busting that myth? Um, yeah. So what he's getting at there is is also something that Lear Keith really addresses in that book, The Vegetarian Myth, which is biodiversity. And so what he's saying is that you actually may not need more total land to feed everyone crops. You'd have a massive malnutrition problem, but we'll just set that aside for now. It's the the fact that you have to clear and kill every single living thing off of that piece of ground before you can grow your monocrops, your vegetables, all that stuff. And then you have to continue killing anything that would step foot into your crop field and, and try to eat your vegetables. When you have cows on that same area of pasture, there are birds that live in the field and, you know, feed off the insects, live off the cow pies. There are other little critters that can coexist within that pasture. You know, a pasture can have a couple trees in it and stuff like that. And there there can be all kinds of animals that live within that area of land. Mm -hmm. When we're growing it, when we're growing a field of wheat or corn or whatever it is, we are killing every single thing there and we're leaving just a barren patch of dirt in its place. So the idea is that we want to mimic natural ecosystems and nowhere in order to be the most eco-friendly and sustainable, right? That that's, seems mm-hmm. like pretty common sense. Yeah. Uh, but, but instead with agriculture, we do everything backwards and completely the opposite of nature. We have these monocrops where nothing else is growing, no other animals are existing. And when you do that, you're constantly ex- extracting nutrients out of the soil and you're not putting them back. When you have cows, they poop on the ground and they put nutrients back into the soil. Uh, so it's effectively a closed loop system where you can continue raising cows on that pasture indefinitely. And the cows and the grass are like a symbiotic ecosystem and they, yes. they help each other to be healthier. And it um, rejuvenates that land uh, yeah. in a sense. That's where we get our nitrogen and CO2 is rejuvenated. Everything gets, it's all cyclic and cyclic in a sense that it, it works with each other. And it, it builds the topsoil as opposed to yes. stripping it and washing it away. You know what's a super interesting little tidbit about that? Um, when, when people talk about, especially from this hostile vegan crowd, they're, they're going on and on about how, well, all these cows, uh, it's, it's so bad for the environment. But yet, mm-hmm. when, when you look at, you know, we've, we've got the, I'm going to totally butcher this, but I, I want to say <laughs> somewhere between 28 and 30 million cows in America. Uh, I might be off base on that because I don't, I don't have that right in front of me, but I, I just did something with this. So somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 million cows in, in the United States. Prior to the modernization and the uh, the civilization that we have built in the modern society of, of the United States, there was roughly uh, more than that in Buffalo. And yes. the, or, I'm sorry, I, I I usually like to use the term bison, but because uh, everybody, I get nasty emails when I say Buffalo because the proper term <laughs> is bison. <laughs> I get it, folks. Um, so so the bison. Uh, outnumbered the amount of cattle we have today and that is what did the job so when they act like this is a new thing to have this type of four-legged ungulate animal on the on the landscape rejuvenating the ground creating Mm topsoil creating nitrogen co2 oxygen all these things that kind of cycle with each other this is where we we get back to that statement where we're living with the land instead of just on the land 
Right. You know, um, that that was taking place prior to the settlement of of uh, you know European settlers under the North American landscape, where we had the the bison, the and, and the amount of elk, and and obviously deer, whether mule deer, white tailed deer, black tailed deer, it doesn't matter. All these species were what did that to the land, and and yeah. so it's it's interesting how that is balanced. But now today we have the downfall of these, like you said, the monocrops. And and these these extremely um, destructive corporate ranching outfits, mm-hmm. and, and we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But uh, that is that is I, I think the basis of what you're kind of getting at and driving at with with that. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it's it's just really um, we're creating problems where they don't exist. So we we used to have our you know massive pastures throughout most of the central part of the country we turn them all into cornfields we put all the cows on a dirt lot and then we truck the corn to the dirt lot and feed it to them instead of just mm-hmm. putting them on the pasture where the you know it's like it's so backwards um but one one thing a lot of people believe one of the biggest myths out there is when you tell them oh we just need to be raising cows on pasture which as you and your listeners probably know all cows start off on pasture they only go to the feed lot for the last few months of their lives But if we just try to grass finish as many of our cattle as we can, um, we we have plenty of land to do that. And and vegans will always spout off about we would need three planet Earths if we were going to grass finish all of our our, all of our livestock. That is not the case. I have the the math breakdown. I'm going to do a YouTube video about it at some point. But it's we have way more land than we would need, actually. Uh, I believe the statistic. The statistical data uh, for for all these vegans that live in these big ur- urban areas, uh, urbanization makes up less than five percent of the actual uh, land mass. One one percent is it five. is it one percent? One percent. I yes. just knew it was less than five percent of developed land. Yes, uh, this and, is all the buildings, roads, cities, yep. anything human development. I put this on my story as a poll because I was very curious if people knew about this. And my options were 1%, 8%, and 20%. And um, it was like almost evenly split into all three categories. So very people know, know that only 1% of our Earth's surface is taken up by. And this is just mm-hmm. the land. This is not including the water, the ocean. So we still have lots of land. <laughs> it's a massive misconception about how overpopulated the Earth is. Exactly. And and I, I, I love I love debunking things like this because, and I feel like we've, we've kind of, and this is just a, you know, we're only what 30, 40 minutes into this, but um, there, there's a lot. Uh, you can make an entire, which I think you are, an entire podcast mm-hmm. off of this very, very, to- uh, this very topic. Uh, and I'd yes. listen to it, but um, <laughs> we've kind of debunked the the health myth and the, um, the the environmental myth. The other part of it is the humanitarian myth that I, I feel like, and there's another myth after that, but but the humanitarian side. I mentioned the avocado, avocado f- uh, farms and the trees, the amount of water it takes to, to water those trees. Is there is there something along those lines that you could speak to? Um, because I'm going to totally, again, I'm going to butcher this little fact because it's been a while since I looked this up. But there is an African nation that is famous for their avocados. What nation is that? Do you know off the top of your head? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not sure. I don't remember, but basically, what what they did was because of the um, 
the the market that veganism has created in the United States and in Europe, uh, this nation in Africa was shipping all the avocados to us in Europe. And what mm-hmm. happened is the result of that was only basically the 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 landowner and the government profiteered off of this, where the mm-hmm. common individual in this country began to starve. Because they, right. they did depend on these avocados, um, not that they were vegan, but they it was it was a part of their diet, their overall diet, and their uh, it was a resource for them locally. Well, what happened was the government had to ban the exportation of these avocados because the people were starving, and it was uh, for. Uh, which is a rare thing in governments, by the way, where the the government decided that the humanitarian necessity on their own land and their own for their own people was greater than the profit margins by exporting to uh, foreign countries. And and this kind of thing happens. It happens in Mexico. It happens in other nations in Africa and South America, where we're exporting these these resources out of the hands of these uh, the locals to feed this. Uh, this cult of veganism in, in uh, developed nations. And so the third world nations, and I've always said this, and maybe you could speak to this, but I've always said that veganism is a luxury of developed countries. It is not something that everybody can enjoy just because your opinion is that it saves the environment and is better for your health. Folks, I have never been great at sitting down and doing a bunch of research to find the right tag in the right state for the right species. That's why I rely on Eastman's Tag Hub. I don't know if you guys have checked it out yet, but Eastman's Tag Hub takes a trusted hunting research you rely on and have for years to a powerful new digital platform. You could jump in there and find the right hunting units in 11 different states and try to find the perfect tag to fit your budget and your goals. It's a great way to cut out all that external research that just gives you a headache, and if you're anything like me, you just don't have the patience for it. Let them do the work for you, and the cool part about Eastman's Tag Hub is it's a monthly payment option. You don't have to pay some big fee to get into it. It starts at like 7 bucks a month. And it gives you access to everything to include access to the world-famous Eastman's Hunting Journal magazines. It's a great deal, guys. Check it out at taghub.eastmans.com. What say you? (laughs) So uh, one thing that vegans strangely like to accuse meat eaters of is being colonizers or being the product of colonization which is that they just project constantly. It is actually the exact opposite that's true. It is veganism that is the byproduct of colonization. It doesn't exist Mm -hmm. in any indigenous groups. Um, So of course, these, like the poorest people, the most impoverished people in the the world are going to be the hardest hit by uh, any types of measures that try to reduce our access to livestock or our access to, to meat. Um, I think the figure is something like 1 billion people in the developing world that directly rely on livestock for food income, um, you know, as a sort of, um, as wealth, like to trade and barter for things, Um, you know, the, the, the resources and the stability that they get from those animals is super important. So again, it just speaks to how tone deaf and how sheltered most vegans are and that they just, they're like, you know, 
You can just go buy vegan burgers at the grocery store. They, they don't think at all about how that would impact the rest of the world when they want to put, you know, fishing bans in place and things like that. Um, it's the poorest people that would be most hurt by that. So uh, the, this, this also goes back to the cult aspect of veganism. Unfortunately, when you talk about atrocities that are happening to humans as a result of things that vegans are doing, they typically don't really care. Um, and that that's kind of how you know it, it is very culty because they care about animal welfare above human welfare and humans are animals and and mm-hmm. to to put to put other species above your own well-being and your own species well-being is mental illness that's not that's not yeah, something that's a great that, way to put it you that's, know that's a it great is, way it, it, it's, it's because it's true um there they i have heard vegans say that you know humans are just animals well i don't think anybody disagrees with that so so in that light and and under that under the guise of that premise are you going to are you going to say that because humans are animals and we can we can be you know less cruel to nature or whatever uh that the bear should stop preying on on fawns or on elk calves or on the, livestock so their argument is always well they have to do it to survive we don't have to do it to survive so you know we can do something else um and my response to that is always I don't want to just survive. I want to be healthy and thriving and uh, and as optimally fed as I possibly can be like because I, I, I deserve that as a human being. Everyone deserves that. It is actually a form of self-harm, I think, to be vegan and to be okay with harming yourself from a health perspective. You, I'll even see these comments, vegans, right, that are like, I care more about animals than myself. I don't care if I end up with health problems. I'm not eating animals, but they're not saving any animals. That's the kicker. They are hurting themselves and achieving nothing. It's just the saddest thing ever. They they, absolutely, you're absolutely right. I I would argue that vegans do more harm to the environment and the habitat and the uh, natural cycle of an animal's life by being vegan than were they to be a meat eater. Uh, they it's do. insanity. It's insane. Like this isn't uh, again. This isn't conjecture. This is proven stuff. This this is not. It, it's like it's like I I see some of the things that they say. It it relates to or, or reminds me of somebody saying that you know when when it's a clear sky outside that it's not blue. It, it blows yeah. my mind. And so I I don't I don't know. I, the other. Go ahead. I want to make one more quick point about vegans actually going against animal welfare. Um, and, and the way I see that is because, you know, people like myself who go out of their way to find local farmers who are doing things humanely, like to really try to be part of the solution. Um, I'm an ex-vegan and I feel like the other people out there like me who do that, many of them are also ex-vegan or maybe they were sort of vegetarian or whatever, but point being like, they want to fix the problems that they see in the food industry and with animal cruelty and stuff like that. And they're willing to go that extra mile to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, vegans are the most likely people to support those small farmers and to care about animal welfare and to care about all of those things. So veganism is taking away customers that would be supporting those small farmers and ranchers that are struggling badly to survive because they're not 
you know, it's a hard industry to make it in, especially as like an organic regenerative farmer. Um, vegans, oftentimes when they do go back to eating meat, they, you know, if they don't go the other way and start sourcing it properly, they're just going back to buying it from McDonald's or whatever, and they're going back to supporting factory farming. So I feel that veganism actually takes away conscientious eaters who would be supporting these farmers who are improving animal welfare. And, and so they're, it's not just like a neutral thing. It's like negative because those people could, could be actually helping solve this problem. Absolutely. I, I, and I have a great example. I have a buddy, I've had him on the show a, a couple of times. His name's Derek. Um, in fact, he's the host of the Primal King podcast, and he owns a company. Him and his wife uh, run an, a cattle operation here in Idaho called Crosso Meats, where it mm-hmm. is a it's it's a local company. Uh, they have a small ranching operation uh, where it is you know uh, kind of everything what we've talked about in a, in a sense that anyway, all that aside, what what I wanted to say is when I had him on my show, I, he said something that. I think you kind of alluded to earlier where the animals on his ranch every day is a great day except their last day. Mm-hmm. And and it's a very quick moment. And he does a really good job with that. And then he, you know, he does this thing where they package the meat there um, and, you know, they sell it in small quantities. It's, he's not like a mass rancher or whatever, uh, or a corporate ranch or anything. They, they do a, I can't even think of the term. Why am I? I'm totally drawing a blank on the term that there. There's a term for it. Anyways, he's a he's a local rancher that raises local beef and and basically sells it to the local community. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does a great job. And but he's exactly right. Those the animals and the way that they're treated, and kind of what you were alluding to the the how these animals live, in up until the point in which they are butchered. Is is a great and and cl- as close to as natural as we can get, without actually it's better. Being, it, it really is. It In really a lot is. of ways, it's better. He you protects got them. Meals. Yeah, yeah. He protects them. They're they're fed better. They're th- he protects them from predators. Um, they're they're safe from disease. They're uh, there's all sorts of things. And these these animals live in the beautiful Idaho countryside. Like what what more could you want? Um, and and it's the natural. Uh, countryside. It's not like some he's putting them out in an alfalfa field or something. Um, mm-hmm. These things are living in the mountains of Idaho, and so he does cool. have some wolf issues. But uh, it, it just <laughs> it just it goes back to like when I when I think of vegans and and the way that they attack the the hunting space and and the way that how we view the world, our value set versus their value set. I always, I always kind of look at it, you know, when you're looking at like the justice department or, or a court of law, there's always, um, I'm sure there's a term for it and I'm going to not remember it, but there's that, there's that little statue of the lady with a blindfold, lady justice or, or yeah, yeah. what is that called? Mm-hmm. I can't, for some reason, I'm lady trying to justice sounds right. Something uh, like something that, like, right? She's, yeah. she's got the blindfold on, so she's blind to who it is. But there's a balance of justice, and so it's like a scale she's holding in each hand, and, and it's balancing what justice is. And when, when you when you look at it from that perspective, that that is kind of how it is in especially like hunters versus hostile vegans. Hunters mm-hmm. and, and meat eaters in general have kind of a realistic view on on the world and, and how 
the the reality on the ground is in order to have these resources available to us as as human beings versus this when you go to the other side of the scale this veganism scale there is a very obvious sign or or um symbol of like non-reality they like yes. it's it's like they know it's fantasy but they they've dug their heels into the ground and it's this ball of wax of of stubbornness that they're never going to pull out of this have you ever met uh w- with with what you do have you ever met some of these vegans that are clearly they the, clearly there is no way that they cannot see what the reality is but because they have made the decision to be vegan they have dug their heels into the ground and they refuse to pull out of it and in fact they fight for it Oh, absolutely. Um, I think those are probably the only people that can that can remain vegan holdouts. The people that stay vegan when they're clearly their mind is gone, their body is in you know terrible shape, and they still just refuse to see what's happening and stay vegan. Um, I've I've definitely had a lot of conversations with people like that. I've had people tell me things like, "No matter what you say, I will never stop being vegan." That's not a rational statement. Okay, Very irrational. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, uh, a rational person will say, "Well, give me all your information and your best arguments against it, and I'll go do my due diligence and I'll I'll think about this." I've actually only had one vegan ever respond that way to me. One. I, I can't tell you how many hundreds of vegans I've talked to over the years. One person that said. Um, you know, well, well, clearly you've done your research. I'm going to look into this more. I, I, my jaw drops. I, I couldn't believe, cause it, it's just so, so rare within that group. Yeah. Um, vegans are susceptible to propaganda. I would say a lot of them are people who don't take the time to necessarily question things the way that they should. Um, I think until you've sort of been burned and had your eyes opened to the fact that you've been misled. It, it's hard for people to just do that right off the bat, but um, I, I know that you know vegans are waking up. It, it's like this constant uh, revolving door where they're constantly recruiting new people, but they're losing members as fast as they're recruiting them. So the vegan movement never really grows, but it just doesn't really go away either. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like something like eighty-five or eighty-six percent of vegans actually return to eating meat at some point. Um, yeah, so it's eighty six percent for vegetarians by the end of a year, seventy percent for vegans because they're more hardcore. But the statistics kind of drop off after that. I would estimate that within five years, about ninety percent of vegans quit, and then beyond that, like some vegans, you know, they they last twenty thirty years. But there there's a lot of uh, cheating that goes on usually with those types of people. Yeah, I, I I wondered that. I wanted to ask you about that because there's a lot of these uh, you know so-called vegan influencers on on social media. Uh, how many of them are cheating? Like how they get I, caught cheating? Yeah, all caught. the time. There's right? multiple instances of people getting caught. Um, some of the funnier ones are like Mayor Eric Adams of New York telling everyone he's a vegan and then eating fish in public restaurants and you know waiters outing him to the press basically. Uh, so it's like do as I say, not as I do you know, rules for the, not for me or whatever. These people don't even do what they preach themselves, but I think they just are, they, they believe so strongly in their need to preach this that I think they're able to just justify it and be like, well, I'm vegan 95% of the time. That's good enough. 
Yeah. But it, 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 it's a, it's a very difficult diet to maintain if you've never done it. You're just hungry every day and that drives yeah. you crazy after a while. Because it's uh, so then, unnatural. And then you're taught to see every normal human who eats meat as being a murderer, a literal vile human being who's okay with mm-hmm. murdering innocence. So yeah, like you said, uh, this sort of dark worldview that they get, part of that is the malnutrition, but it is also part of, um, you know, by design, the cult teaches them to hate the non-members of the cult. Which is typical. It doesn't matter if it's like a religious cult or some kind of strange belief cult system that, that is out there. They they regard everybody else as outsiders and wrong, and uh, there's a sense of evil attached to them. Uh, and so oh, yeah. I, I think that that's pretty pretty uh, typical. But I one thing I want to tell you, like Kelsey, I, I think that there uh, the hunting space and the hunting community, and and this goes back to back to your Instagram page. Um, could really learn a lot about how to engage with non-hunters because I don't know if you know much about my show, but a lot of my show, yeah, I do the how-tos, how to hunt an elk, how to hunt a bear, all that kind of stuff. We we go through a lot of that, which bear meat, by the way, is um one of my favorites. It's it's an extreme. I think I've had it. Yeah, you should you should have more of it. Like it, it it's a great <laughs> meat. Um, but it, it's so clean. It's such a clean meat. Uh, anyway, the the point I was trying to make is a lot of what my show talks about and kind of the premise behind my show is this battle for the future of hunting. And because we mm-hmm. have this, we have this common enemy, which is the anti-hunting movement or animal activist movement or hostile vegan movement. Uh, a lot of them are the same characters. A lot of them are kind of the, the, the same usual suspects, if you will. Um, but we could learn a lot about how to present hunting in in a way to non hunters because generally speaking, uh, Kelsey, there's 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 roughly five percent of the country that are active hunters, and there's another you know three to five percent. God, is that it? Yeah, that's it. And there's Ugh. roughly three to five percent of the rest of the country that are casual hunters uh you know every once in a while they buy a deer tag and they go out for a weekend or whatever but that five mm-hmm. percent are the people that get um hunting tags uh, doesn't matter what the species is uh every single year and they're kind of what i call diehard hunters and and they're out there actively doing that's that's roughly five percent the anti-hunting movement uh slash anti or, or i'm sorry uh hostile vegan movement is roughly two percent but that two percent is extremely, <laughs> yeah. If that, um, and it cha- those those characters change all the time. Like the the you know, like you said, uh, somebody who's a real vocal anti-hunting, hostile vegan, all of a sudden is next thing you know, three years later, is a hunter. <laughs> yeah, know? it does and that, happen, and that happens. And so, and that's cool. I welcome them. I, I and I, I, in fact, if there is a uh, if there is a diehard vegan listening to this show. I would I would give you the opportunity to come with me on a hunt and and come with me to experience what it is because I think you don't understand the primal natural thing and the humanistic thing that hunting is and how I'm going to find 
sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Off, go ahead. I, I have this amazing testimony from a former vegan vegetarian who who went on their first, who killed their first deer, deer on on a friend's hunting property, mm-hmm. and just the way they described the emotional experience and just it's incredible. It, it like gave me goosebumps, made me like tear up. It's so amazing, just the connection that this person felt and just it was like everything, just the understanding of life and death and and what it takes to survive and feed yourself as a human. Um, it's like vegans, this is how you get vegans, right? They grow yep. up in a, in a city, they, they ride the school bus, they eat their little packaged lunch. Um, we didn't have this problem 100 years ago when the majority of people saw their grandmother go out into the yard and grab a chicken by the neck and kill it right in front of them. You know, when we were very accustomed to seeing animal death around us all the time, it, we, we thought nothing of it. It's only when we are put in this, you know, sterilized Disney existence that now all of a sudden the thought of shooting Bambi is just horrific. And then, and, and there's all this, um, anthropomorph, anthropomorph, I can't Morphism say that word. <laughs> of animals in Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yes. I, you know what, what shit, like, you have you you just articulated what I've been trying to articulate for a very long time, which is exactly that. Um, we have become the society where we are so removed from nature and the natural process of things, from animals to uh, you know the growth of a forest or or a high desert or or whatever, to the these big city urbanized areas in which we're we're just removed from it and and then like you said the the disney and the you know humanizing animals you know like yes. bambi they have this personality you know and 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 i'm not saying deer don't have individual personalities sure they do but they're they're deer and so they're that when you look at it from a from a more holistic level of that as a herd of deer and how they work together uh, is a lot more pertinent to the reality on the ground than looking at one individual deer that maybe has more of an attitude than the deer next to it, you know? And <laughs> well, so, and, and, and I totally like, um, vegans, you know, constantly are harping on about these are sentient animals, like they have feelings and that's all true. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not doubting any of that, but, um, I think it's super dangerous what vegans are doing, which is trying to humanize animals and put humans and animals on the same playing field as, as far as like their moral value. And when you do that, what you do is you open up the possibility for people to justify committing violence against humans to protect animals, yeah. to protect them from being slaughtered by the farmer or the hunter or whatever. And now you're basically giving, mentally unstable vegans the fuel to go in and physically attack people or worse in the name of supposedly saving animals so this is not a benign movement about loving animals and being less cruel there's actually a really dark side to it that the the public is just unaware of and that is what my page is all about this is amazing i I love this conversation i can keep this going forever um (laughs) I, 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 because it is, you, you're so much better at articulating this kind of thing. And the, the topic and the premise of it is, as um, you're just so much more articulate about it. I'm, I'm just a, you know, a hillbilly that lives up in North Idaho on a mountain. No, you're um, doing but, great. <laughs> but it, this is, this is great stuff. And I think it's important. This is, these are important com- or conversations. But what I was, I think I, what I was driving at earlier is uh, the way that you, present this information to people on Instagram. 
again, for those of you listening, uh, let me go back. The The Instagram is at no reason to be vegan. And the 2B is the number 2 and the letter B. And the rest yes. of it's spelled normal. No reason to mm-hmm. be vegan, which, by the way, it'll be in the show notes. So you guys just click on that and go to the Instagram and, and follow her. Um, but um, the way that you you message the information that you put out, it's not like bland, boring kind of stuff. It's very entertaining, but very thought or thought provoking, uh, and it's relatable. Yes. It's very relatable. Like you, I uh, Justin Bieber's disastrous vegan diet. <laughs> uh, here's another post: Vegan men fart seven times more than non-vegans. Study finds. Um, I'm just going through this in a, in a sense like uh, that reading these headlines are, it really is interesting stuff. And it's, God, that post you've got there. You know what pisses me off when people try to make their animals, their pets be vegan? That just like, that just rubs me wrong. Like violently rubs me wrong. Yeah. So I always, I always say veganism targets women, children, and pets. Like how how could you not hate it? It's going after these people I know. and animals that are that are vulnerable and and it just uh as a woman, you know, I, I just feel this sense of like um protectiveness, I guess, and wanting to um help people steer clear of something that's going to hurt them. Yeah. Um so I, I it's really coming from a place of good intentions. I want to help vegans. I, a lot of people accuse me of having a vegan hate page, which I just think is funny because, you know, clearly I like to entertain. I like to post funny memes and things that that mm-hmm. get a reaction while educating and providing studies and science as well. So I try to have a balance of that so it doesn't get too stuffy and boring. Um, but oh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Well, <laughs> what what I was going to say, what, what, as I was I was getting there was. With your page, the way that you present the information, I feel like the hunting community can learn a lot about how to message important topics like this in a way that people will actually respond to. Because clearly, people respond to you. Uh, Your page and that, there's another page called Nutrition with Tom and Lauren. Yeah, Um, they're great. (laughs) Yeah, those two pages, those are like my go-to's. When it when it comes to this exact topic, because they're they're fantastic, and and I think the hunting community can learn a lot about how you message, how you you re- relay this information uh, to people that makes sense for for the novice. You know, not everybody wants to be a, an, an expert on anti veganism, but understanding right. why veganism is actually destructive, I think, is super important. And and hunters, we have a battle uh, against a lot. A lot of it comes out of the hostile vegan uh, sector of the of the country. We have a battle against the anti hunter, and and we're we're up against it. And we do a terrible job at communicating what hunting really is, because the bad apples get all the attention. The the the, the one that paints or, or portrays hunters as uh, some, you know, Budweiser drinking redneck out there. Oh, by the way. I like Budweiser guys. Don't 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 take me wrong, but some Budweiser drinking redneck out there shooting deer out of the you know window of their truck. That's right. just not. You've seen the videos. You've seen the movies from Hollywood. You've seen all that kind of stuff. That's just not what hunting is. Hunting is a very intellectual thing. Hunting is a very uh, soulful thing. It's it's a very emotional thing, and it's it's a very uh, 
connecting thing to nature. And, and, and that's the message we need to get out there, but not in a boring way. And you managed to do that. So I do have, I know we're running a little long here, but I got a question for you. Um, okay. Let me just pull this back over here. There we go. So let's say that you're on an airplane. I always uh-huh. use the airplane example because you never know who you're going to sit next to. Mm-hmm. And next to you is like a 15-year-old girl who tells you, expresses to you that she is considering going vegan and, you know, she's kind of advocating for the lifestyle and is trying to find a way to transition to this vegan lifestyle. What do you respond, how do you respond to her? Uh, So I definitely get this question a lot and I would say it's going to be very individual to the person. Um, the first things I would start trying to figure out is what is their primary motivation for doing this for a lot of women, especially younger, like a 15 year old girl. Um, you know, obviously the animal aspect of it, women are emotional and we like cute, fuzzy animals and we don't like death and goriness and all that. So that can really, uh, goes back to the cult Colts use shocking and emotionally provocative imagery in order to sort of literally brainwash people, like to to shock them into having this sort of traumatic like conversion experience. So if she's if she's that is her primary motivator, animal welfare. Um, what I did for a vegan in, in my DMs is I actually showed her a video of a cow being killed with a bolt gun because I knew that she probably had seen just horrifying footage from PETA yeah, or whatever that, yeah. that has no basis in reality that, you know, a lot of times those are staged by animal activists and they actually get jobs there and go in and abuse the animals and film yep. it. Um, but I, I asked her permission. I wasn't trying to just, you know, show her an animal dying without her consent. And she, she agreed to see it. I told her it wasn't going to be scary or bad. And after seeing it, her tone kind of changed. She started kind of listening to me a little more. I think um, vegans are used to people responding to them with, but I like bacon, you know, and having these really low brow responses to vegan arguments. And that's like, that is um, in addition to trying to convince vegans that that's a hard sell. So that's not high actually on my priority list of why my account exists. It's to arm the public, the non-vegan public with the rebuttals and and all of the knowledge that they need to respond to these bullshit arguments. Okay. Um, Kelsey, can I can I interrupt right there? Yeah. Because that was fantastic. And what I what I mean by that and what I want the audience to listen to is this is what I'm talking about when we're talking about the 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 wolf argument, which is a huge topic on my show. I live in an area where wolves are very detrimental to the landscape if left unchecked. And Mm -hmm. so my, my argument to hunters in this area is we've got to stop with the knee jerk reactions to these pro wolf folks who just are protectionists and, and the wolf is to thrive no matter what the cost is to the other species on the landscape and the habitat to boot. When you say things like shoot, shovel and shut up, that is Mm -hmm. not an argument. We can't, like I personally, I like having wolves on the landscape, but I think they need to be managed. They can't be left unchecked. They can't, they, they breed at a rate north of 40% oh. a year, you know, it, but, but wolves are an amazing animal and they're awesome to have, have in the you landscape. Guys, and they're fun have to you hunt. talked on your, sh- <laughs> have you talked on your show about what's happening in Washington with hunting? 
Oh, Have you, do you know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? The, are you talking about the bear hunt? Yes, they're oh, yeah. they're not gonna they're not gonna let hunters manage. I, I I posted something about it on my stories, and people were kind of asking me, you know, what is this and why is this a problem? But so um, yeah, that. But yeah, this is the slippery slope that that's the you know, slippery slope, and that's that's how we're presenting it. And that the so the issue in Washington is whether or not they're going to allow us uh, a further continued spring bear hunt because spring bear hunting has been going on for decades in the state of Washington and it's a great management tool it's a great pastime it's a it's a traditional hunt and and in fact people make their living off it in the way of outfitters and and people that draw these tags for areas that have great bear populations and the state of Washington has a very robust bear population a very healthy bear population uh, and the spring bear hunt has little impact on the actual population of bears, but they did away with it based on emotion, which is what yeah. is sold through veganism. It's all emotion. And so they. But it's inhumane to, to call these bears. What's the more humane? Yeah. Because it, it, it sounded the, to me like. What's the they, ulterior? Well, it sounded to me in the article like they still plan to actually kill the bears, just not have hunters do it. That's kind of how it came across to me. Like, we're going to use non-hunting wildlife management techniques, which I don't, you know, who knows what that means. You, but. Might, you might be talking about the New Jersey uh, argument. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure because the, the, the plan is like spring bears killed in the state of Washington is less than 2% of the overall population of, of the bear population. And so, so why get rid of it? it there, there's no Just reason to get rid of it. It's mean and we, well, like you can shoot deer but not bear bears. Their, their argument was that, um, well, mist- uh, hunters mistake a, a, uh, a breeding or I'm sorry, a uh, sow with cubs uh, for a boar with no cubs or a sow with no cubs because you can't differentiate between the two, especially from anywhere over 50 yards. It's really difficult to tell a male and female bear apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so lactating ca- sows was kind of the, the the basis of their argument. Well, they're coming out of hibernation. They've got these uh, cubs and they're still lactating. And, and so the cubs would die as well if you kill the mama bear. The problem with that argument is that is less than 0.01% of bears killed in the state of Washington during the spring bear hunt. It very rarely happened. Hunters that hunt bears do not want a lactating sow. We don't want yeah. that. That's not what we're after. We want those cubs to thrive. We want those cubs to live. And so that's kind of the the premise of where that argument came from. Um, and and again, the the, the population uh, in the state of Washington for for black bears is is very healthy. It's a it's a great habitat. They've got the Cascades and and all that northern part of Washington, which is just e- excellent habitat. Some of the best habitat I've ever, I've I've ever seen. Uh, but again, this emotional argument of, you know, spring bear hunting is, is bad. Um, and these lactating subs are, or cubs are get or geez, I can't talk straight tonight. Lactating sows are getting killed during the spring bear hunt. It's, it's all bullshit. That's not what happens. So anyway, well, you're going to get me this, fired up on that one. <laughs> well, it just speaks to the importance of educating the general public, because if we don't, these, um, you know, this legislation gets through because the average person just hears, oh, bear hunting. Why do people need to shoot bears? Bears, what do bears yeah. do to them? You know, and, and they know nothing about it. And their knee-jerk reaction is, you don't need to kill bears. That's unnecessary. Just go to the store and buy a steak. Yeah. You hear that a lot from people. 
so, so educating the public on why we need hunting, why hunting is more ethical than veganism. I, I'm going to make a YouTube video with that title and I will give all of the ammunition I can um, for hunters to, to rebut these anti-hunting arguments. Yeah. Hit, um, hit because, me up. Because it, <laughs> hit me up if you need help with that. I love that kind of stuff. That's, yeah. that's, that's what I do. Um, well, I get like, I, I, I wouldn't say frustrated, but um, when I, when I watch vegan versus hunter debates, um, because they do an excellent job, but they don't know enough about this is a very multifaceted topic, obviously. So unless you're a freak like me who like studies it night and day and <laughs> knows the ins and outs of it, mm-hmm. knows the environmental parts of it, knows the health, like, like hunters can typically argue the ethical side of it fairly well, but they kind of fall short on some of those other things. I would love to just like fill in those gaps for them so that nothing a vegan can say to you can, can get through because you have an answer to every, I'm at the point now where, you know, they all have the same arguments, the same script that they go off of and, and they study it. So they're prepared when they go out in the public to preach veganism to people. And most people have no idea how to respond um, I've got an answer to everything they can say to me now. So yeah, and that's I'd, I'd love that's to share that. That's fantastic, and and that's the struggle that hunters have is, you know, we're and and we've we've talked about this recently on my show where when you're when you're talking to a hostile vegan and they're they're an anti-hunting animal activist, the the word activist is the key point. Hunters are generally not activists. We're not concerned mm-hmm. with what the bear population. Uh, y- you know, ratios are. We're not concerned with how many lactating sows were killed in the last spring bear hunt because we're focused on getting that boar. We're not concerned with all those kind of things that trickle down into the the actual nuances of science B- because the science is on the hunting side, but most hunters don't know the science. And right. it's it's only we only know that the science is on our side, and that's I, I think that that's part of one of our shortcomings, as we message that um, part of what I was saying there. You know, the five percent of American hunters, you know, the two percent of the hostile anti-animal activists or anti-hunting animal activists, um, and it's that it's that ninety plus percent or so in between that we need to worry about. Um, yes. Because we're not trying to make anti-hunters go get a deer tag and be hunting with us next year. That's not the goal. The goal is to keep the the, the court of public opinion on our side as hunters because it, it is legitimate. It's real. It's human. Uh, it's all those things. Uh, but but hunters are not activists, so they don't have that information readily available. Where vegans are very much activists in most cases, and they want to make themselves heard, and they want to have the facts to try to back them up. The problem is, is they lack the facts. So, uh, just to explain that part, but it, yeah, I'd love to. I, I'd partner with you uh, with with stuff like that to to discuss that very topic if if uh, you ever wanted to, because it, it's a great yeah. it's a great topic. It's a great um, it's important. I th- I should say. So, so there's a. Another little fringe group, I just came across this article, but they call themselves vegans with a W, and it's a vegan who makes an exception for wild game. So so clearly oh, really? there are, yes, I need so to there write are that vegans down. out there. <laughs> I can send you this article after we get done. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, but they see that hunting has such a low, you know, environmental impact that it has such a low impact on animal welfare and things like that. They, they see the, 
the ethics of it. And they also, if, if a vegan is well informed, they know that animals are being killed in large numbers to, to grow crops for them to eat. Um, so yep. it does make sense for former vegans and vegetarians to become hunters. Some of them become butchers. Um, do you know who Rachel Carey is? I don't know. She's a big hunter out of the UK. She's got a pretty big social media following and she went on TV in the UK to argue with a vegan. So she's a good one to follow. Um, what, what's her yeah, name? So there's Rachel Carey. It's, I think it's Rachel Carey hunting on Instagram, but I, um, I'll send you her. her okay. Link. Yeah. That's, she sounds like a good, uh, podcast guest in my opinion. She is awesome. She feeds her family mostly with meat that she hunts herself. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's, she's been featured in a few articles in magazines and stuff. Um, I love to see, you know, people changing the stereotypes out there and, and just educating people through social media. Man, that's a key. You, you nailed it with that. Uh, changing the stereotype. I think that's important. I've, I've been trying to get some European hunters or, or, uh, and on the show recently. And, and, uh, I think it's because of the time difference. We have a hard time coordinating. Um, yeah. so they always go dark on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay, I know we're we're uh, knocking on an hour and a half here, uh, but I do have like another question for you in regards to how do we get Kelsey hunting? Because we need more voices like you. Um, I I guess I I just probably need someone to take me. You know, I I I don't know what the hunting scene is in Texas beyond like the fenced in ranches and that sort of thing. Oh, there's um, tons. There's tons. <laughs> the the high fence thing in Texas is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but you got to have a lot of money for that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's tons of opportunity in Texas and I've, I've ragged on Texas on this show in the past because of their lack of public land access and uh, right. you, you know, public opportunity like that. But, but at the same time, uh, it, some of that was misplaced because I, I didn't know, but there's, there's actually a lot of opportunity in Texas and it just, okay, takes... I will say, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, I am trying to purchase some land right now. So, um, hopefully relatively soon I would have some acreage where if a deer wanders onto my property, as far as I know that I, that's mine to take if I want to. Okay. So you need to start, get, get, get your hunter safety out of the way. Take mm -hmm. that. And it's like an online course. You could do it in an afternoon and take the test uh, okay. in most states. I And I don't know if Texas requires. Um, well, uh, those of you listening, we have a we have a large uh, audience in Texas, actually. So those of you listening in Texas, um, DM no reason to be vegan on Instagram as to how to go through the hunter safety course, because I don't want to speak out of, you know, you know, something I don't know about. But I'm I'm pretty sure, like in the state of Idaho, my girls, my daughters, uh, they took it online. They did it all on their phone, uh, and and passed the test and all that kind of stuff. And then we got their hunting hunting license. So that part's easy. And if you're getting land, I happen to know a few really good dudes down in Texas that know how to manage that land for hunting and habitat, and they would okay. be happy to show you how to set up that land um, to hunt it uh, for whitetail. Because well, the land wouldn't necessarily be like primarily used for hunting. It's gonna oh, be yeah. no, no, no. a farm basically, and then um, I'll have some areas undeveloped that I could hunt if the opportunity arises. But um, I'm a good shot, so I have that going for me. There you my go. Brother my brother works at a gun range, so I've got some experience with that, and 
um, yeah, I, I would love to do it. I, I think that would be a very like monumental milestone in my life. I think so too. And I think, I think that you would be a, uh, a great resource, um, and a great voice for hunters, uh, to, to have on our side, on that side of it. And, and if you if you're getting a bunch of land and you're farming it, oh man, you can, you can really have a ball, uh, for whitetail deer. And Texas is known for, you know, Texas is known for their big whitetail bucks. Um, they, I didn't know that, but I do know we have a lot of wild hogs and now we've also got wart hogs. So there's all kinds of stuff out there mm-hmm. that needs, that needs management. So they do need, management. you know, uh, wild hogs grow at a, at a pretty prolific rate. So, um, they're great to hunt and it's, it's really good meat. Um, so Yeah. No, that would be fantastic. But uh, Kelsey, this has been awesome having you on the show. I'd love to do this again in the future. Would Would you be up for it? Absolutely. Um, hopefully, next time I can tell you all about my first hunting experience. Exactly, and and I want to help. I want to like if I can help get you out in the field and and get your first hog or uh, whitetail, whatever. Uh, you know, I I know I'm clear up in North Idaho where we actually get snow. Um, <laughs> when, I'm from Idaho. Remember? Yep, I remember I lived, you said that I, you're yeah. you're from Boise, right? Yes, I was there from 2000 to 2013. Sweet. So yes, uh, yeah. Uh, anything I could do from my end to help you help you get started, you don't hesitate to reach out and ask. Um, I'm I'm all about getting new hunters within the ranks, uh, especially people that have a a voice in it and a way to articulate that voice. Uh, and you you certainly meet that. So. Well, thank you. Um, we need to let's let's wrap this episode up. But again, yeah, I'd love to have you back on the show. This is this is great stuff. Do you want to tell everybody kind of where they can find you outside of what I've already said? So I'm primarily on Instagram right now, but I will be starting a YouTube channel and a podcast very soon. I totally relate to your delay in getting the book done because I'm, I'm right there with you with the podcast. But it is coming. And, um, basically what I intend to do with the YouTube channel is to take a lot of the information that you kind of have to dig through my Instagram page to find and, and do topic videos and just include all of those resources and all that evidence sort of neatly organized into different topic videos that people can, can share and, and sort of, uh, hear the, the rebuttals to the vegan arguments that they can use in their everyday lives. Cause we all know somebody who's vegan or vegetarian. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you, YouTube, my link is on um, the link in my bio has links to like my Twitter, my YouTube. I do have a website. It is basically a Google spreadsheet, but it has many of the links that I've shared so far, just kind of easy access in one place. That web address is xvegan.club. Okay. I'm, I'm pulling it up. Your Instagram has a link tree. Yes. Uh, my my world famous Idaho internet is uh, taking its sweet ass <laughs> time to pull this up, but it's it's working on it. So, uh, and I'm going to link all that in the show notes. What's the YouTube channel going to be called? It'll probably just be No Reason to Be Vegan, like my Instagram handle, since that's how people know me and can find me. Awesome. Um, okay. I. I am planning, hopefully, upload my first video within the next week or two. And the first one is going to be all about why veganism is actually classified as a cult because it fits all the characteristics. It's, oh, you hear people I saying that, if, you know. I wish we would have hit on that. <laughs> Can you give us like a brief synopsis? Why, why is it classified as a cult? Um, yeah, sure. So uh, 
first of all, cults really dictate everything about your life. So that right there, you can see a lot of that going on within veganism. They like, first of all, controlling what you eat is that's number one. Cults often put their followers on a low protein, low meat diet because it makes them, um, like more susceptible, uh, less able to think for themselves, this sort of get that brain fog and, and that helps to just keep them in line. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, you see a lot of this backlash when somebody leaves veganism and they get a huge amount of shaming and shunning from the remaining vegans. Um, that's, that's literally like textbook cult shunning, you know, yeah, that, that right sure. there. Is, oh yeah. Um, Gosh, there's there's a bunch. It's hard for me to rattle them off all off the top of my head. But things like you know, vegans brand themselves. They wear clothing that says that they're vegan. They they go out and they um, proselytize and they recruit other members. All like you just go down the list of of cult characteristics and you can find an example that fits with veganism in each one of them. Got it. Um, yeah, I totally agree. That could be a whole podcast episode in its own. Um, oh yeah. What do you have a name for your podcast coming uh, when when you're ready to launch that, or is that not not determined yet? It was going to be the Ex Vegan Club podcast, but I actually think I don't want to pigeonhole myself that much to just only interviewing ex vegans um, because I would like to have you know I've got um, somebody who inspects slaughterhouses. Mm-hmm. So he he's going to be a really great resource for debunking a lot of common vegan myths. So I want to have kind of people that, you know, pertain to this topic in different areas, not just ex-vegans. So now I'm thinking, just call it No Reason to Be Vegan podcast, something simple like that. Awesome. I can't wait for that. I'll I'll be your first uh, listener. So awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, and and everybody when when you do when you do launch a podcast, I want you to hit me up on Instagram. Um, and you know, let me know and we'll, we'll jump on again to give you a little boost. Uh, okay. I, I think that That'd would be, be yeah, because there's a lot of hunters that would, would be way interested in that. Uh, because a lot of, a lot of hunters live in these big urban environments that we were talking about that like, you know, half their family is vegan. So they want this, they, they right. want this ammo, they want this information. So, uh, anyways, let's, we'll, we'll just keep in touch with that, but I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, this this was one of my uh, favorite conversations. Uh, definitely my favorite conversation in 2023, but that's not very fair <laughs> because this is only my second one I've recorded this year. So, <laughs> um, well, but, thank you so much for having me on. I I had a blast. I can talk about this until I'm blue in the face, which I'm sure you know. Um, yep, but yeah, it's it's really important for this message to get out there. And I know I'm never going to shut up about it. And if people want to listen, I'm I'm happy to you know, help, uh, answer these questions any way that I can for people. I feel like you're going to be on a lot of podcasts now. Like, do you want to tell, <laughs> do you want to tell everybody what the first podcast you came on was? Western Huntsman podcast. That's right. That's right. I, I, I dig it. I dig it. So no, thanks again, Kelsey. This, this was awesome. Stick on the line here for just a minute. But, uh, again, thanks again for coming on. This was uh, super, super worthy information to have out there so thanks again thank you jim i can't wait to do it again you made it that's the end of the episode thank you so much for tuning in please make sure you're following us on instagram at the western huntsman and write us a good review at apple Podcasts. thanks guys see you next time stay western and i'll see you on